Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. Welcome back to the third hour of Limerick Today. Now, you will have heard in news that the US father and daughter Tom and Molly Martins have dramatically won a challenge against their convictions for the murder of Limerick businessman and father of two, Jason Corbett, and now face the likelihood of a full retrial. Well, journalist Ralph Regal has been following this story from the very beginning and he joins us on the line this morning. Good morning to you, Ralph. Good morning. Ralph, this came as a huge shock to me and to a lot of other people. This seemed like a case that there wouldn't be much point in retrying. There was really compelling evidence in the first trial. Oh, astonishing evidence. I mean, it's one of those situations where I think for one technical reason, uh, well, there's been a number of technical reasons, but one in particular, two of the three appeal court judges decided that um, there should be a retrial. And, you know, putting aside, I suppose, journalistic things, it just seems so unfair for the family here in, 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 in Ireland, and particularly in Limerick, because, you know, they're such a remarkable family that fought so hard and for so long for justice um, to get to get it, and then finally for life to be slowly settling back to normal for them and to suddenly find themselves catapulted back into the spotlight. And the awful part is, potentially facing into a full retrial and years, further years of this judicial process in the States, it just seems so so dreadfully unfair. On what basis have they decided that this may be retried? Uh, there's a number of different reasons. I mean, the background to it, of course, is that, you know, in, in uh, August, August the 9th of 2017, Tom and Molly Martins, they were convicted by unanimous verdict of the Davidson County Superior Court jury of the second degree murder of Jason Corbett and they received 20 to 25 year sentences. Now, they, they denied it and they fought it and they, they claimed they acted in self-defence. And the, the core basis of their appeal to the North Carolina Court of Appeals, which was heard in oral submissions on January the 31st, 2019 last, was that their ability to argue self-defence had been unfairly compromised by the trial judge because the trial judge wouldn't allow specific statements to be entered into evidence. Now, Judge David Lee, um, I thought, made very cogent arguments. He would not allow statements to be entered into evidence um, from Jack and Sarah, Jason's two children, which were made to officials at Dragonfly House, which is like a social services facility in North Carolina. And those statements were made in the days after August the 2nd, 2015, when, when Jason died. Um, but those statements were critically, uh, completely contradicted by statements the children subsequently made here in Ireland. And there was also a statement from Michael Fitzpatrick, who was the, the, the father of Jason's first wife, Margaret Mags Fitzpatrick. And that statement, well, it, it was a, Tom Martins claimed that, that Michael Fitzpatrick said certain things. Michael Fitzpatrick pointed out that in the original version of, of Tom Martin's statement, he wasn't even at the event that Tom Martins claimed he heard the statement at. And when the date was revised, um, Michael Fitzpatrick went to a solicitor to make a sworn statement that he never said anything of the sort as Tom Martins is now claiming. So those two different types of statements were both ruled out um, by Judge Lee from admission because he said they were contradicted, they were contested, and they were potentially prejudicial. So he wouldn't allow them to be put to the jury. 
But the Court of Appeal, two of the three judges, um, argued that, Judge Tyson and Judge Zachary, argued that because those statements weren't admitted, it did restrict the ability of the defendants to argue self-defence. And on that basis, they felt it was a procedural error and that it should. they recommended the sentences be vacated and that it go to a full retrial. Now, interestingly, Judge Allegra Collins, who was the third judge on the panel, um, she dissented, and she dissented quite strongly. And in summary, she said that it was both a fair trial and she said free from any major procedural errors. So she did not find in favour of a retrial. So what happens now, basically, is that the if the Attorney General in North Carolina does not seek a Supreme Court review, well, then it will automatically go to a retrial. And on that basis, both Tom and Molly Martins will more than likely uh, apply to be released on bail pending a date for their retrial. If it does go to a Supreme Court review in North Carolina, well, then they will remain in custody uh, until the Supreme Court makes a final ruling on whether there will be or won't be a retrial. If there's a retrial, could they be released pending the retrial? If, yes, they will. If basically, if, um, if, if there is no challenge to the Supreme Court, um, there will be a retrial and they will apply to be released on bail or bond. Um, and certainly the indications that I was given is that because the sentences were vacated, they would almost certainly be released pending that retrial. Now, they will not be released if there is a Supreme Court hearing. So they will remain in custody until a Supreme Court hearing takes place and until the Supreme Court delivers its, its judgment. So if the Attorney General in North Carolina decides to go to the higher court, Tom and Molly will remain behind bars uh, and I'm told that, that is mo- it's very unlikely that there would be any Supreme Court hearing this year if there is going to be a hearing. Right, so this is going to drag on one way or the other. Unfortunately, and I think that's one of the things that was most upsetting for the family yesterday. They were very dignified. Um, they basically said they in a very brief statement yesterday, they said they acknowledged that what had happened in North Carolina, they didn't want to comment and they've appealed for their privacy to be respected. It's a very difficult time for them, as you can imagine, because I think they just, like, like most people, they just didn't expect this outcome. And for the family, that's the real problem, is that it's not just a retrial, but it's the fact that they're really facing into it. Just when they thought that this process was reaching its end, they're the prospect of this continuing for years to come. Yeah, it's it's unthinkable, really. I mean, you are looking for closure in a situation like this at all times. And, you know, I know Tracy wrote her book and there was a, the documentary kind of done on it as well. And those are things you do when you think it's all wrapped up and tidy and finished. Yeah, and it's very much part of the, the healing process and the process of dealing with this material. But it's very, very, I mean, how, how do you, get your head around the fact that you've had almost five years of this and that the prospect of potentially three to five years more um, years of this, it, it's very difficult and it has been such a, a dreadfully upsetting time for them and to be catapulted back into, you know, the limelight of publicity, the coverage, the reports, court hearings, bail hearings, appeal hearings, it's just really an awful place for them to be. And there's a lot of cost associated with it as well. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I know the family had been, they really had gone above and beyond in terms of their commitment to supporting the North Carolina prosecutors. I mean, it's it's not putting too fine a point on it to say that, you know, that family could not have done more to seek justice for Jason. They had attended pre-trial submissions. They attended all five weeks of the original murder trial. They even travelled to the appeal hearing 
on January the 31st last year to show their support for the prosecutors who got the second-degree murder convictions. So they couldn't have done more to support the American prosecutors. And the difficulty is, you know, if you're facing into several more years of this process, are they really going to be able to be in a position to do the same? Yeah, I, I, the other thing about it is, you know, it's it's one of those stories, as you were mentioning, it, it does attract attention, media attention. You know, I suppose we're talking about it now. I mean, it's yeah. out of support for the family. It's the same over in the States. Very, very difficult from them from that point of view. But one thing that we shouldn't really lose sight of here is that, as you mentioned, it was a unanimous decision by that yeah. jury. Yeah. And the evidence... Remind us again, the evidence that actually convicted them, uh, you know, there was no real wriggle room. It was damning, absolutely damning. Yeah, I mean, the the core argument of Tom and Molly Martins was that they acted in self-defence. But there was no injury. There wasn't a cut, there wasn't a scratch, there wasn't a bruise on any of the two of them when Davidson County um, police officers attended the property that night. In, In point of fact, Molly Martins was wearing a very, very delicate bracelet and that she was wearing that bracelet throughout what she claimed was the confrontation with her husband. And that bracelet wasn't damaged, it wasn't torn, it wasn't shattered, it was perfect when the police arrived. And the he forensics, been drugged. Yes, the forensics were very, very powerful, the toxicology. And the toxicology report indicated that an attempt had been made to drug Jason. There was traces of a sedative found in his system, and it was the same type of sedative that had been prescribed to Molly just a couple of days beforehand. Uh, the pathologist, and I'm very conscious that it's, there might be young ears listening yeah. to this program, so I'll be very careful. Suffice to say that the pathologist in North Carolina, Dr. Craig Nelson, that there were such was the, the, the awful damage inflicted on, on Jason's yeah. head that he couldn't even count the number of blows yeah. that had been sustained. Um, it was a, in the indications from blood spatter expert, uh, Dr. Stuart James, was that Jason was asleep in bed when the first blow was struck. He was struck while he was lying helpless on the floor. There was also indications that he was struck after he had died. So, in other words, some of the injuries were inflicted post-mortem. And, and it, there was also evidence, which is probably the most disturbing and upsetting evidence of the entire hearing, was the fact that even after this assault, uh, the indications were that Tom and Molly Martins had delayed ringing 999. So, in other words, they stalled so that in, there would be a sufficient delay so that when the, the paramedics arrived at the property, he couldn't be saved. Yeah. I believe she hasn't been a model prisoner either. No, there were a number of breaches of prison rules and she was um, there, were, there was various punishments meted out uh, in terms of loss of rights and stuff like that and she was subsequently transferred between prisons in North Carolina. So Tom and Molly are about two and a half years into their 20 to 25 year sentences at the moment. Tom Martin is in special measures in a prison because he's a former FBI agent and there's a potential threat to him from other inmates within the general population so he's within special measures to ensure his protection. So uh, they, they will remain in prison until we know exactly what's going to happen with the retrial. I remember reading there was enough evidence to potentially charge them with first-degree murder as opposed to second-degree murder. I'm not even yeah. really f- fully sure what the difference between the two is. But is there any chance that in this retrial, prosecutors could decide to go for the first-degree one this time instead? I, I, again, I'm not sure. I'd be very surprised if that is the case. And it was certainly argued uh, last January during the appeal process, one of the special prosecutors for the North Carolina Attorney General's office, he pointed out that there are seven major criteria in North Carolina 
for a case to qualify as a capital murder case, or murder one as they call it, and he argued that in this particular case, all seven criteria were met. So he said the only surprise in this case was that they weren't charged with first-degree murder rather than second-degree murder. And of course, the big difference in North Carolina between first-degree murder and second-degree murder is that second-degree murder for a first-time offender carries a sentence, a, 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 a baseline sentence of 20 to 25 years, which is precisely what Tom and Molly Martins received. A conviction for first-degree murder in North Carolina can carry the death penalty. Yeah. Okay, well, it's a story that unfortunately is not over and, and we had hoped that it was, but we'll follow closely uh, the next steps and I'm sure we'll be talking to you uh, about them, Ralph, on this programme again in the future. Thanks very much for updating us on the latest. That's Ralph Regal, uh, journalist with the Irish Independent. Call Limerick today now on 461995.